Hey friend, this is the final week with my mom, Jasmine Almonte, on the show. And today she tells us a story about a time when she felt like an outsider. Now, I want to preface this story by saying, one, I absolutely actually love this story. I think it was just such a great example um, of so many things that we talk about on this show. I do want to say, that this is definitely one of those moments that I really do feel like I'm inviting you to come sit at my kitchen table with me and my family. I say that especially in this episode because we're speaking pretty frankly about these situations when especially folks from marginalized groups get together, whether it's family members, cousins, friends, there is kind of an unspoken understanding in many ways of the kinds of discrimination that we experience in our day-to-day life. I might get a look from someone and I instantly know that that is deeply rooted in this implicit bias that they seem to have against me. I walk into a store and I'm followed because I am a black woman in an expensive store and the worker wants to make sure that I don't steal something. That's happened to me multiple times in my life. I walk into a room and people are wondering why I'm there. They're wondering how I got here and what the explanation is that someone like me might be in this space. And if you're not a part of these kinds of experiences, then I've definitely had so, so, so many times where people kind of want to deny that that is the truth of the situation. They want to give excuses like, oh, no, they didn't mean that in a racist way, or no, they didn't mean that in this kind of way. And I really encourage you as you listen to this episode to try and put those things aside because racist ideologies do not need defending. They don't need protecting, and they definitely don't need your help in us learning how to cope with them because we cope with them every single day. It's how we get through our day-to-day life in a world that is steeped in white supremacy. That is what our society is, and that is the truth of the matter, especially here in America where racial capitalism is just our norm, sadly and unfortunately. So while I had so much fun recording this episode with my mom, while listening to it back, I definitely wanted to throw it out there that you should do a little check-in with yourself if you feel, especially for my white folks and friends and allies and listeners and learners that are on the other end of this speaker, Do a little check-in with yourself. Maybe think about what white fragility means to you. White fragility is the discomfort and defensiveness on the part of a white person when confronted by information about racial inequality and injustice. You may feel that you're being attacked. You might feel uncomfortable. You might want to make excuses for the situation. 
But I really encourage you that if you're here and you're listening to my podcast, and if you know anything about me, you know that my hope is to always hold space for everyone, to hold space for the questions that feel kind of icky and sticky and uncomfortable, to hold space for the information that might feel nerve wracking. And I think this is one of those moments where you can hold space for this really great story that my mom's about to tell. And I'm simultaneously holding space for you to kind of sit with those feelings and marinate on what they might mean for you. So I think this is such a great episode. Thanks for being here as always. Let's get into it. On today's episode, my mom, the best, the notorious. I is notorious is notorious being good. Yeah, I feel like notorious can be good. Wow. But what? Oh, infamous is the one that's like not good. Okay. So my mom, the notorious, the iconic, the star-studded, the gorge, the fab, <laughs> <laughs> Jazz and Almonte is I think this is the first episode I actually say your name. <laughs> now people know what my name now is. Now people know what it is. There you go. Um, Jasmine Almonte is going to share an outsider story or two. Who knows? We'll we'll take it as we go. We'll be surprised. Uh, her outsider stories with us because every guest has shared a little bit about themselves. And I think I love hearing them. Even, I mean, some of them are hard to hear. Some of them are really devastating, but... I think that kind of experience is so human and a lot of us can really connect to that feeling. So play it on me, mom. Hit me with a story. Okay. Um, well, one story that really stands out for me was, um, like I said before, I was a hairdresser in New York for many years. Uh, moved to New Jersey. Commuting didn't make sense, especially once you were born. I just wanted to tuck you in and be with you and spend time with you waited till I was 33 to have you. So pretty sure I'm going to enjoy you. So I started, um, I became a hairstylist in New Jersey. Um, I was the only Puerto Rican woman of color in the whole salon. And um, that was different because when I worked in New York, that wasn't the case. But anyway, this woman walks in. Um, it was a request, um, her appointment. She requested me by name. So Jasmine, your client's in. I said, great. Went up front, brought her to my chair to give her a consultation because that's the way it worked. And she goes, excuse me, but are you Jasmine? And I said, yes, I am. Why? And she said, oh, um, all right. Now I'm just a little confused. Again, living in New Jersey in an area that was predominantly white, I already knew, I had already that feeling of feeling like an outsider, not because of my not because of you, Taylor, or because of your father, but because of my own experiences of knowing, you know, everywhere I worked, everywhere I went shopping, all of my neighbors, my surroundings, everyone was predominantly white, really. And that was very different to me. So when she questioned your Jasmine, that immediately was what came to mind. Um, I thought this white woman is wondering, well, wait a minute, Jasmine, I didn't know that you were like a woman of color. Um, that's what came to mind. And I said, well, you requested me. And she said, I understand, but I never met you before. And um, you cut, you know, one of my friend's hair and you did an amazing job and I wanted you to cut my hair, but, 
And I said, well, is there a problem? So I could see she felt uncomfortable when I asked her that. Um, I didn't feel hurt. I actually felt angry. And uh, she said, well, I thought Jasmine was a male. I've never had a female cut my hair. And I said, oh, no, not Jasmine being a man. Not that. (laughs) Not that. Not a man named Jasmine. (laughs) So I said, okay, we're going to go with that. So I gave her consultation, was not happy. And um, again, told her, I just want you to know we have amazing hairstylists here. I will not feel offended in any way if you would like someone else to cut your hair. Like a male that's not named Jasmine. And no, 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 no. I want you to cut my hair because my friend so-and-so, her hair looked amazing. And I want you to cut my hair because you do amazing work. And I said, okay. So I send my assistant to go wash her hair. I go to the staff room to compose myself because I'm already kind of mad um, that I have to deal with this. She's already made it awkward for me and uncomfortable. But okay. So I go back to my chair. She's had her hair washed. I'm hoping that the conversation goes a different direction because I am going to cut this woman's hair. I do have scissors in my hands. And I begin to cut her hair. And she says, um, where are you from? I said, oh, no, we're going there. Okay, let's do that. Not where are you from? And I said, where am I from? What do you mean? Because now I'm going to ask her a question with every question to make her uncomfortable. And she says, well, now I just wondered because you look so exotic. Yes, we're going down that road. And I said, and we're talking, this is the 90s. So we're talking maybe 95. And this is what she tells me. And I said, exotic? I don't know what that means. Because again, I want to make her uncomfortable and make her have to explain herself. And she says, well, you know, you know, you look, you know, you're so beautiful. And just, you know, your skin, there it is. And um, I don't know, you just look, you know, just really exotic and, you know, like, and I'm waiting for the word mulatto because I'm like, it's coming up any minute now. It's coming up because I've had that one before. So I said, um, she goes, well, you just speak English really well. I said, wow. Okay. I said, I don't understand how I'm not supposed to know how to speak English. So am I supposed to speak like with a broken accent? Am I supposed to not know how to speak English? Like, and she, I said, you know, you're really making me uncomfortable. I don't think I'm the person that should be cutting your hair. And she goes, no, no, no. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh my God. No, that's not what I meant. You know, I feel so stupid. Um, I'm trying to say all the right things and I'm saying all the wrong things. And I said, let's do this. If you really want me to cut your hair, let's not talk anymore. Let's, let's go down that route. I really need you to not speak to me anymore. Or I promise you that I will not be cutting your hair today. And she said, okay, I just, I'm so sorry. She sat in my chair, of course, her face looked all red and hot and heated and her eyes looked all teary and whatever. I cut her hair and I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to give her such a great haircut and I'm never cutting her hair again. That's what I'm going to do. So, you know, didn't realize it then, but I went high when she went low. Good for you. I did. Good for you. And I cut her hair. Finished her hair, did all the things. Um, she wanted to do this uh, thank you thing. And I said, excuse me, but I'm running late, so I got to go. So I went to the staff room. I was fuming. Whoever was in the staff room knew that I was fuming and knew the conversation I had had. And I was talking about the fact that the lady that sat in my chair was a racist. And these are the things that she told me. And she's never sitting in my chair again. So you guys got to make sure. I told the girl at the front desk, make sure you put a big star next to her name. Don't ever put it in my chair again. 
And um, she left a tip at the front desk. And I didn't want the tip. I didn't want the tip. I didn't want to see her again. And I was kind of done. Um, make a long story short, she ended up sending a card, wow. an apology card to the wow. salon. Um, I received the card. Um, in the card, she told me that um, she was born in this world in a bubble that she didn't know better, that she didn't realize the way she came across, that she hated the way she spoke to me, that it's haunted her, that it was horrible for her once she got home, once she shared with family and friends how the conversation went and how she was mortified, just mortified mm. and totally understood if I never wanted to cut her hair again. But she really wanted to apologize, not only by card, but she really would love to stop by the salon. Oh, my God. And literally tell me sorry. Wait, so what happened? In person. She wanted to come to the salon and say she was so sorry. And she, I, she, couldn't, she couldn't just say enough how sorry she was. So make, you know, I, I prayed on it because this is what I do. Prayed on it, meditated on it, journaled it. Pretty sure I journaled. One of my journals has to have this amazing story. But anyway, make a long story short once again. Um, she came to the salon. In my heart, I felt, you know what? There are people out there that just don't know any better. They just don't. No one's told them any better. I knew her address. I knew the, the part of New Jersey she lived in. Extremely wealthy, old money, very white. Um, you know, they probably hire people of color to do their, you know, the nanny or the gardener or the, and I knew that because I used to do a lot of, you know, um, I used to work in people's homes. They used to send me their driver and I would go to their home. I was familiar with this town where she lives. And um, so did she came? My heart told me, you know what? I don't think she, I really don't think she knew better. Well, you know, I ended up meeting her outside because she was just crying hysterical at the door and I stepped outside to talk to her. Um, and we did have a conversation and she did tell me, you know, I was raised by parents that obviously were racist, Jasmine. I want to do better. I don't want, you know, my kids actually try to help educate me. Um, they do have friends of color. They go away to college. You know, I, I want to be a better person. My children were mortified. Like, mom, what did you, what, what did you do? Um, this woman was older than me. And um, she actually became my client. She became my client. I actually did her daughter's, one of her daughter's um, hair for her wedding um, Whoa, that took a twist. I did not know it was going to go there. It did. It took, a, took twi a twist. It took a twist. And it taught me some people have a kind heart and they just don't know better because of the way they were raised, but they're willing, they want to be better. Yeah, they want I always be felt like it's not my job to teach you. Like, yeah. Google it, like, figure it out, <laughs> like, get it together. Like, you know, which is not, educate yourself, which is not a fully no for I agree those that feel like that right that's okay girl right you can feel like that but yes also love an, a moment to uh, to, to turn it around have I always been able to turn it turn it around absolutely yeah, not that's fair that was yeah. a story that just ended on a high note and um you know it it softens my heart because most people that came at me at a way that was racist I just was really angry yeah. and usually lashed out, Yeah, you know. And the moment that you talked about, I think uh, me and Richard actually had a conversation about this really early on into dating because he was saying, 
that he met um, parent, uh, parents of a friend and that he knew right away that they just like weren't listening to anything he had to say. And he was like, and I knew it was because I was Asian and everyone else in that room was white. And when you know, you know. Absolutely. And I think there are so many, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, I think you know that like it is, if you are a white person that these conversations are new to you, it is going to test the, you know, your quote unquote white fragility. It is going to test those, it is going to like, ooh, this feels uncomfortable. I don't really love this feeling. Right. But you know when you are a non-white person in that space. Right. And and I would even say like my friends that are trans, my friends that are non-binary, my friends that may dress or present themselves in a way that contradicts the stereotypical norms, they also, they, you know, they would also very much agree with this when you just know the way someone like instantly looks at you or instantly talks to you, you know that they're they don't have to call you a slur for you to be like, oh, you're racist. Like you just know. Absolutely. You clock it I agree hundred percent. Right yes. And if you've never had that feeling, you may think, I mean, how many at this point, how many movies, TV shows do you see people like, yeah. no, they didn't mean anything wrong. Right. right. But you know. Yes. When you're in it, you know. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that outsider story with Absolutely. us, mom. That was a good one. Girl, you got it. You twisted, you turned, yeah. and it oh, ended. It was a roller coaster. And ride. it ended with a happy ending for all. <laughs> okay, this story had so many twists and turns, and I'm shocked that this was actually a new one for me. Like I have not heard this story from my mom before. I loved this story for a few reasons, but one that I want to know is that specific moment that my mom discussed having the decision to either set the boundary of, I don't want to have a relationship with this person anymore because I don't need to constantly continue to validate my humanity to them, to set my standards of appropriate things to say and not to say to me. She could have made the decision to set that boundary or she could have made the decision to take on the emotional labor required to educate ongoing, which is what happens when you create a relationship with someone that doesn't really seem to know that much about what it's like to live in your shoes. In this example, my mom decided to create that relationship, but I thought it was really important that she highlighted that 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 hasn't always been the case, that there's been many other times she did decide to set that boundary, which is absolutely appropriate and absolutely something that you, my listener, might have experienced yourself. I thought this was a really, really cool episode, and I'm sad it's my last one with my mom. Maybe she'll be back in season two. Who knows? Thanks, as always, for being here, and that's our show. See you out there. 